Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back again ahead of round 21. This week we've got a man on with me who hasn't been on for exactly two months almost to the day, so it's good to have him back. Uh, before I introduce him, I need to make sure I get it right. He's one of the hosts of the Rugby League Cemetery Podcast, which is fantastic, but better known as one of Australia's most prominent rugby league jersey collectors on Instagram. And that is Luke Garrity. Luke, welcome aboard, mate. Good to have you back. <laughs> thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for the plug on that. I do have that on all of my business cards. <laughs> Gaz's Vintage Jerseys. Give it a follow if you're on Instagram. Get amongst it. <laughs> for those that don't know, Luke, um, Luke has a plethora of old rugby league jerseys, and he is now known on Instagram, and it was referred to. I saw, I saw it, actually. Directly in a photograph, he was referred to as Australia's most prominent jersey collector. So, if you see some of his collection on Instagram, <laughs> you, you, you'll know he's got all these ugly old ones, the, the Crusher ones, the Hunter Mariner ones, the Perth Red ones. Oh, I see stuff on Marketplace, Luke, on Facebook, and I think, oh, I need to send this to you because you might not have it. <laughs> That's exactly right. That The Hunter Mariners gets chucked on every time I'm feeling particularly vicious after a Newcastle loss, another insipid performance, and on comes the Mariners at night. It's my sort of silent protest against the O'Brien <laughs> era and the Brown era and the Wayne Bennett era, all the eras. <laughs> There's a lot of eras there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So how many jerseys do you reckon you honestly have? Two hundred, something like that. I got about fifty-five Knights ones. Um, nearly got all of them. I'm missing two or three, like from or until Andrew Johns is retired. I don't have anything after Andrew Johns retires because there's nothing worth owning. And then yeah, probably about sort of ten Magpies, ten Bears, four or five Crushes, four or five Gold Coast Chargers, all, all the old gold, the Giants, Seagulls, you name it. Uh, one Newtown Jets, all that sort of thing. So it's um it's good fun. My wife is not that keen on the spare room being repurposed as a um, rugby league museum, <laughs> but we don't have kids yet, so I'll be able to have it for a couple more years, I reckon. Uh, I've always meant to ask you, have you got the Cash Converters Perth Reds jersey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cash Converters and the Sunday Times from the year after in the Super League one. The, ca- the, the Cash Converters is the jersey, I reckon. If, you, if you're going to go out and get two jerseys, you get the um, the Crushers with the 4X and a and a Cash Converters Reds because it's just not um, stop turning heads. Anyone sees that, you just get people turning around on the spot. It's a real way to find league fans in any setting. <laughs> That's gold. Yeah, the, I agree on the Perth one. That's why I mentioned it like that. That Perth one um, with the Reds is probably one of the more obscure ones that's sort of been forgotten about that I reckon was pretty fun at the day, uh, back in the day. So I like yeah, that absolutely. one. A lot of ugly ones too. But, you know, let's not talk about rugby league jerseys all the time um, on this podcast because... <laughs> well, we can, but yeah, sure. We could. It would take a lot of time because you have over 200, but there's also Supercoach to talk about. And, I mean, I've chatted to you, obviously, but the last couple of months... It's been a bit of a, a, a tale on this podcast on, on your journey through this Supercoach season because we kind of get you on every sort of five to eight weeks type of thing and you started off pretty well, you were pumping me and then sort of I, I was sort of around you and then I, I went ahead of you and then the last sort of um, few weeks I think that you've gotten smashed by a few different injuries and trades and stuff as we all have so you, you're probably in the same boat as a lot of us including me, we're probably evened out, we're probably just as, as disappointed in our seasons but you got, what, two trades left and a heap of injuries and a, a pissed off with the season like the rest of us? 
Yeah, pretty much. I'm still ranked okay. Like I'm at one thousand six hundred and fifty, but like I just keep. I don't. I'm only three hundred outside the top one thousand or two eighty or something. So I feel I can get there, but every uh, it's just getting a bit pointless for me. Like I just keep going from two thousandth and dropping four hundred spots, and then having a really good week and going back to about fifteen hundred, and then dropping them again. Like there's no the way it all is at the moment, and I've got too many injuries to really nail any more big calls as I just sort of, if I captain the right guy, I go up a few hundred ranks, but you're not going to get that right every single week. So I'm sort of starting to think I probably am not going to make the run I'd like to, but I've got two trades left and I'm just going to go down swinging because I play to make the top one K. I'm not that far out of it. Uh, right. Captaincy calls a couple of times in a row. You never know. So you're going to use both of them this week. Probably. I It wouldn't, it would be smart to hold one, but i I probably won't. <laughs> we, can, we can get into it when we get into some of the options we've got. There's the reasons that I might not. But, yeah, I'm one of those guys. I'm sort of like the less – when you get late in the season, they're not as valuable as you think trades sometimes because like, I've run out every year. And, of course, if we keep getting hammered, it's going to come back and bite me and I'll, I'll fall over. And that has happened once or twice in my super coach life. But a lot of the time, I don't really lose any ranks over the last month, even when – I do lose top-end guys because the less games there are less, the less it matters. Like, if you have to play someone really crap in the last game of the season, they score 25 points instead of 60. That's not actually many points, and you can probably make that up now by using that trade on, like, you know, Caelan Ponger or Harry Grant or some guys we'll talk about. So I'm, I'm sometimes, like, unless you're really really sort of short in an important area, once there's a couple of weeks left, you may as well get someone in there that can score you a couple of hundreds. And if you end up copping a 20 or a 30 in the last week or two, it won't drop you as far as you think it will. Yeah, I 100% agree. And look, that's going to go very nicely. So you're very good at the segues already, straight into our <laughs> our strategy chat. And uh, before we do that, I do need to mention our fantastic partner, Top Sport. So Top Sport, Australia's 100% owned bookmaker that has the best service, I think, in market. But not only that, aside from their stellar service, Top Sport also has some of the best odds that you will ever find on most things, but including rugby league very much. And you can jump on Top Sport and have a gamble, but just make sure you do it responsibly. But if you are going to do it, please use a promo code so they know to take care of you as one of our listeners. That promo code's really simple, guys. It's just SC All Stars, all one word. You open an account with that they'll know that you're one of our listeners and they'll take good care of you and send you all the rugby league info and the NRL stuff they've got going at each time and everything else. And, you know, we've also got the Olympics still going, so you can get in there. I'm all over Australia tonight to win against Argentina in the gold, in the, I shouldn't say the gold medal game, to get through to the medal games. So, you know, they've got all that too. But Top Sport, jump on, fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast. Luke, you started to segue into our strategy very nicely. So this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about strategy and just sort of general trading like we normally do. And then we're going to go into the round um, previews like we normally do ahead of round 21, focusing on some of the buys, some of the pod options, some of the sit and start options that might be a bit controversial, as well as some captaincy and vice captaincy options. So following on from what you said, Luke, um, as far as strategy and trading, I 100% agree. And I think at this point, people need to understand that there's no point in waiting for, for players anymore. This is basically, I think, for me, the line in the sand where if you want someone, you just get them. You don't worry about the money. You don't worry about the BE. You don't even worry about the matchups now. Uh, you have to get them in because we're in round 21. So we've now got five games, uh, 21 through to round 25, where you can get some value out of them. And if you don't do that and you're going to wait like 
two or three weeks, getting two weeks value out of someone's just not enough. And it can be a real big difference, like to your point that you made before, where if you wait the next um, two weeks to make a trade of, uh, you know, a, a Kalen Ponger, and you've got like a Reese Walsh here, for example, um, and Walsh is, you know, busting out sort of an OK 65 or 70, you know, you're probably going to be down 100 points over that two weeks, and you're just not going to get the value over a Kalen Ponger that you're going to hope for. Uh, it probably also gives teams in head-to-head a lot more chance to kind of get lucky, where if you've only got like a Caleb Ponga for two weeks, maybe he isn't that good for the two weeks. But if you've got him for five weeks, you're pretty much guaranteed at least one ton. So, yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah, I, I think so. It's like, obviously, um, you can get caught if we just keep getting hammered with injuries. You can get quite short. But, yeah, I, I've won I've won head-to-head comps playing overall, like without trades, the whole final series, and having guys like, you know, in the Jonathan Thurston era, him being out and me just running some pleb at halfback when everyone else can replace Thurston and the same thing later with Tedesco and those sorts of guys. And you just survive because, like you say, with luck over a one- or two-week window, you really can just get away with it. Like, <laughs> over a week or two, anyone can beat anyone, and you're better off sort of locking in points. And like you said, if you've got a five-week run of someone you like the look of, you can sort of use those trades, get them in, bank those points. And, and this is a season where that's pretty applicable as well because there's a lot of – um. There's a lot of matchups you can pick pretty solidly that guys are going to go well in. There's a lot of weak teams that are getting bullied a lot where you can eye them up and say, if you've got the Storm or, you know, um, Penrith or some of these teams playing the lower teams, you know you can get that guy in and they're probably going to go really big um, and that you've got another couple of weeks coming where they can make up for it if by chance they don't. So, yeah, I just think you're better off using them um, unless you're sort of running a barebone 17 or something. There's no point running a, you know, middle-range player for 50 a week at the moment to hold a trade if you could trade in a guy who might average 80 and could, you know, bang in a big 100. Yeah, for sure. And look, I think that some teams are pretty decimated where they're actually playing some plebish type of options that they're preferring not to. So there's not really any reason to be doing that. Like, if you're playing a very subpar option at this point in the season. You just shouldn't be doing it if you've got trades there. You should be using them. Uh, the other thing to take into account as well, Luke, is there's there's a lot of things that could happen over the course of the rest of this season now from round 21 onwards. Uh, so for the rest of the season, some things to consider, and this is for both, I think, when you're choosing who you're going to trade in, but also to not wait to trade guys in. One of them's uh, resting and how teams are going to be actually performing. So... There's several players that could get rested, um, but with team team performance, you know, there's several teams where in the last two weeks of the season, they, they might be top four regardless, or the Storm might be first regardless of the way things work out or whatever. And you're going to get guys rested. So you would hate to, you know, trade in a Pappenhausen sort of round 24 because you're waiting for him to get cheaper and cheaper. And, you know, have him rest around 25 anyway and only do it for one week. You may as well just do it early if you're going to do it. So there's going to be some teams that are going to be resting. But likewise as well, there's the other thing too. Like, one thing that worries me about um, Ponga, and he's a big trade-in for me this week, and I've spoken about that for a couple of weeks targeting him this week, is like, your Knights are in the top eight now, uh, but there's obviously half a dozen teams that are sort of vying for that that top end of top eight sort of positioning. And like, if, if your Knights lose the next two weeks in a row or whatever mathematical equation makes them out of contention. You know, I'm, a, I'm not necessarily worried about Ponga too much, but certainly those type of trades, you could say, look, is a team just going to say, look, he's been, you know, he got needled for a couple of weeks because of his sternum and, you know, he's a bit busted. Maybe we just won't play in the last two weeks of the season. We'll rest him, you know. Stuff like that could come into it, you think? 
Um, uh, I don't know if it will with Pongo. I mean, if they lose to the Broncos and the Sharks, you certainly won't be having me on here ever again. (laughs) (laughs) They really need to win at least one of those, if not both. But um, no, look, I think there's probably probably some teams where that could be the case. But the probably flip side of that, if you look at the teams around the eight, a lot of those coaches are probably under a little bit of pressure um, as well. Might be the saving grace for that. You probably can't yep. afford some of those guys to pack it in. And then right at the bottom, even if you look at Haas and those guys, I don't think Walters and some of those guys are going to have the luxury of um, conceding a game. Um, you know what I mean? There's, there's probably, but yeah, look, it's valid. And the, the what you said first is one thousand percent valid. Is is Melbourne rested everyone in the last game last year? From memory, they might have played Brandon Smith, but they didn't play anyone else. Um, mm. Munster didn't play. Um, Cameron Smith didn't play, and I'm, I'm not sure that Pappenhausen did. I'm happy to be corrected on that that one. But um, you look at that this year, and you've gone, you, you know, you go, who's going to play? I cannot see Munster playing the last game of the year, so I wouldn't be trading him in, and I'd be aware of it if you've got him that you probably need to have two five eights in your squad if you run out of trades. Yep. Um, and Hughes, you would think is an important one because there is all of a sudden pretty much every good halfback bar him and Cherry Evans is basically, and, and Sam Walker, I suppose, is now not playing. <laughs> but, um, so if you were looking at Hughes as an option, I think you have to account for the fact that if he does play with this minor calf issue he's got, the fact that he's got that makes it, I would almost put anything on him being rested at some stage for the rest of the year, particularly when they've got Nico Hines now basically without a position, that now you've got Pappenhausen needing to play and get his form back. They can afford to say, hey, Hughes, why don't you have this week off? In comes Hines. Munster, you have this one off. In he comes. And you won't lose a lot given how far ahead they are in the comp. So I think it's absolutely important to be looking over that and to be aware. Um, Brandon Smith's another one who's played nearly the whole season um, big minutes because Grant's not been there and he may well get a spell or at least play 30 or 40 minutes of lock and go off and not come back or something at the rest of the year. So I'd really be looking at those top end teams and what they're doing. I think Nathan Cleary's one. Um, I could see that I don't think he'll get rested per se, but I imagine that they'll take him off once they can't lose some of these games. Um, if they get far enough in front, he'll get the hook. So you really do, yeah, you've got to be careful if you want to spend, say, a million bucks on getting Cleary back or you want to spend the better part of 700 on Jerome Hughes to bring in for Ben Hunt or for, um, for SJ or whatever you're doing. You've got to be aware that there's five weeks left and you might not get five games or six games out of them. Yeah, and the the flip side with that too is that you can really turn it on its head if you're chasing. And like you're a good example, where you, you know getting to the top 1,000 is very attainable for you, but you are going to have to have you know some good runs week on week to start to move towards that. And you can flip it on its head and say this is quite an opportunity because you know Jerome Hughes is heavily owned. Um, a lot of people might jump on Nathan Cleary again if he comes back like next week. Um, and there's some guys like Munster are heavily owned too, and you could just go, you know what, I'm just going to completely flip it, and I'm just going to, and I know I've said this before, but it's a different type of strategy at this point, you know, with pods. During the season, you, you're kind of targeting certain pods, and I've said, I always say, you don't want too many of them, um, but at this point, like, if you've got, like, three trades left or two trades left, you'd almost just want to make all of them, you know, pod trade-ins, um, if you really wanted to chase hard. And I know that sounds fairly simplistic, but it's not just the fact that they're a pod. It's that you're going to put them against guys that are better super coach players that may sit out a week. And then all of a sudden you're so far ahead of 30 to 40% of super coaches. It's not funny. Like I, I was filthy that David Fafida was benched again on the weekend. And I made that pretty known on Twitter as well, because I just don't understand it. And, it looks like it's going to keep happening, though. And he didn't go on. 
until I think there was like 14 minutes in the first half or something ridiculous. Like, if, if that keeps happening and Fafita has a two-line break game and scores a 58, maybe there is a realm where you can bring in someone else that's going to outscore him by 20 points a game for the next five weeks. You know, and if that happens, because the Gold Coast Titans will probably keep winning with the draw they have, then you're so far ahead when it's a 50% ownership on someone like Fafita as well. It is risky, obviously, Luke, because it can blow up and, and, and you're stuffed. But, I mean, really, the only downside is that you're still going to be as unhappy as you are currently, <laughs> that you're, you know, you're not in the top 1,000. And the upside is that you're going to get there. Yeah, but those things are worth looking at. He's probably an extreme example because he just scores so much. He even got he got a double movement to this week. He just goes so close to bloody scoring, and their draws a bit soft. But the yep. principle of that move, one hundred percent. Like, um, you know, there's I think there's plenty of guys that that could apply to. Um, I think the yeah. Look, in my personal situation, I've got Tor and SJ. I haven't moved yet, so there's ones where I'm going to move, and I've got Nico Hines. So I, I am either going to move Nico Hines depending on my cash. Or both the guys not playing at all because I, I yeah I'm probably a bit short to start moving David Fafita out of my team. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, if you if you're a bit more better depth than me, then you could certainly look at that. But I agree totally on on the pod situation because you just at this time of year a lot of us have the same players. Um, captaincy aside, if Cody Walker gets 150, we're all getting 150 that sort of thing. Um, same with David Fafita if he's getting 140, so are we all. So you got to look at where you can make them up. Um, the guy that's been doing it for, for me at the moment is Dway um, He Dewey, however you want to say it. Um, um, unfortunately, I'm sure we'll get into him later, but guys <laughs> like that are real gold. If you can find someone with a big ceiling at this time of year, you want to stack them. I really believe the last, most of the year I talk a lot about saying that pods can be a little bit overrated because you sort of, if Nathan Cleary is the best halfback, get the best halfback because yep. it's a 20 week season and, and whatever else. But when you do get to this time of year, I do think the last five or six weeks, it's harder to move rank. It's easy to go down when you bugger things up but it is hard to go up so you need to find guys that can help you make 150 points some week like suddenly you're just 150 ahead of everyone else and you can do it two or three times and so I'd look for pods and I particularly look for guys that can go 120 plus I wouldn't be looking for going oh that guy you know, I'm trying to think of an example. A Ramian, for example, you might look at him and he's low ownership and he'll average 60 and that's great, but he averages 60 by getting 60 every week. You need to look for someone who might get 120 twice in a row or something like that. That's what you more look at as a pod, someone with a big roof. Yep, yep. And I mean, when you look at a real example for last round, in round 20, there was 11 players that scored 100 plus points. And the guy who had, and I'm not going to mention any names here because some of these players we're going to talk about when we go through the games and the trading options for everyone. But the third best score of the round was 128 points, and it's a guy that's in 1% of teams. Uh, the, the sixth and seventh best scores of 116 and 112 points uh, yeah. are owned by uh, 4% and 1% of teams as well. You know, And then you've got another couple of guys rounding it out. So you've got like 40% of those 100-plus scores were guys that were 4% and below in ownership. And, yep. you know, that's it, – it is actually there when you have a look at it. And some of these guys are, are absolutely brutal to look at. Like, you, would, you wouldn't you would even want to admit it. And, like, I don't even want to talk about some of them on a podcast to admit that I looked at them. So I'm not going to mention all of them. But <laughs> they're just disgusting to look at as a super coach option. But, you know, they, they could very well keep going because this is the time of year too. And, you know, I, I said it before as far as teams um, – you know, not being able to make the eight and things like that. The things that these teams do do, it might not necessarily mean that a really good super coach option, you know, gets shafted. But what they will do is maybe give extended run to some of the young guys that haven't got as much run before. 
or, you know, we saw in, not that you trade him in for Supercoach, but in the Bulldogs situation, they gave Kyle Flanagan a run and they're reportedly going to give him a run for like the next five weeks just to see what they have in Flanagan before they have to make decisions because why not? Like they're paying yeah. him, they're, he's a young guy, they need to give him a go and see what they've got and they've got no one else to put there until next year when Burton's going to take that spot anyway. So they're going to do that and when that happens, there's going to be opportunities, you know, and there's guys that are uh, now getting, you know, instead of 40 minutes as a forward, are getting 65 to 80 minutes as a forward and that might continue for some of the teams out of the eight. So there is some opportunities like that um, but they do look pretty risky and not very good. I would say that better than even money chances, though, a lot of those ones actually come off for those type of situations. Yeah, I think there's a few there. I'm sure we'll go through them. I think there's a few real left field ones that you could get creative with based if you have to, and I think some of us might have to when you look at some of the depth that's been gutted out of positions in the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to them. I reckon I've got a couple as well from that list that I'd eyed up that I don't think I'll do, but I wouldn't begrudge someone having a run at <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I'm just going to, we won't talk about it, but I'm just going to throw a couple of other things that, that can come up as well. There's also the player contract situation where you've got guys that are, some guys that are still left hunting for contracts. I think that's pretty important for guys' motivation. Mm. Uh, I'm going to bring up a Billy one though, and I don't necessarily believe in this one that much, but, um, but Billy always brings up the point at this time of year that have a look at the Fords that haven't scored a try yet <laughs> because the team will try and get them across. And there's always a couple that end up, you know, Aiden Tolman's got his try this year, but he's been one in the past that'll sort of go through in the last five rounds sort of thing. And those type of guys, if anything, they're a good bet. But it does seem to happen that those guys do get their tries. Yep, that's fair enough. As soon as you mentioned Billy, I thought you were just going to say get on Connor Watson and Tane. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not getting back on Connor Watson. But anyway, yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's not a bad chat. I'll tell you what, um, uh, David Clemmer has now played 58 games for the Knights, for example, without scoring a try. And I think it's been like seven or eight years since he's got a try. So, like, surely something like that, if, you, if you've got a guy like that already in your squad, surely someone like that's going to sneak over. You can't can't go forever. Uh, it's good. I mean, it's almost <laughs> good enough to put a fiver on him for the next five weeks, I reckon. Yeah, surely probably... Brisbane will let him through. Like, just off, one off the ruck, just a little sneaky. But he got one disallowed on the weekend. I was really I saw that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, surely just a sneaky ball off the ruck by Connor Watson or something, and he cracked over the top of some weak Broncos this week to get us one. When you're thinking about the trades as well, I'll finish off on this before we go into the actual games this week in the preview and say, it's also a lot more fun to get your trades out of the way now. Like, you're going to not enjoy that last couple of weeks anyway as much if you're out of contention. And trading isn't that much fun if you're just doing it the last few weeks just for the hell of it when you know you've already sort of had a bad season, you can't do anything, you're out of your head-to-heads anyway and all that sort of stuff. It's a lot more fun just to do it now, isn't it? And Supercoach is fun as well, right? So you've got to have fun with it. So get the shiny new Lamborghini in now so you can drive it around and actually tear it up for the next five rounds instead of just getting it in for a couple of weeks when you don't even want to get in the car anyway, you know? Yeah, well, seriously, like, you bring in... It, it really does make sense. You bring someone in, like, now... Well, Pong is a good example. Let's say I don't bring Pong in now because I just think I need to save that trade. I've got to have it for an emergency for if... I lose my halfback or I lose, you know, somewhere I don't have any depth or maybe um, David Fafita gets hurt and I'm running a crap second rower or something. If I if I let Ponga go and I don't pick him and he scores 120 and I play, you know, someone off my extended squad like a Talakai who's my 19th, 20th man or something, um, what's the point of doing that and conceding all those points now in case I have to play someone crap later? Like I'm playing someone crap now. 
So, like, if you can improve your team, improve it. Don't save the trade so that you can not have a crap player play later by playing a crap player now, if that makes sense. Like, uh, what you, what totally. You achieve? Yeah, 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 totally makes sense. And it's I, – I do – look, if you do have enough trades left to have some in your head-to-head finals, I think that's great, and that's like that's the ultimate plan. I think this is a season where not many people are in that position. It's just one of those seasons where – it's just really crappy for injuries and everything else. Like I've got, I've got Campbell Graham sitting there, and I can't even get any information from South Sydney on what's going on with him. Like for me, he he barely failed his HIA on field. Um, he was 100% coming back the following week, trained, went through all the protocols, and then didn't get named. You know, and then he was meant to play last week, and he got pulled out as a rest. And then it's come to team list, and they said, oh, we're going to rest him again because of HIA. Well, what's going on there? You know, that's like three games in a row, and you just you got no idea what's happening. You know, there's that many situations like that this year, which are just really left field that we haven't encountered before injury-wise, HIA-wise, increased suspension-wise, where I don't think many people are going to have trades that they can hold on to. If you can, you know, it is good. But one thing that I will say with holding trades for your head-to-head finals, if you're trading in like a Ponga now or one of these other examples, and like Luke mentioned, depth, the other thing that you can do too is like you've got those guys on your bench, right? And in a lot of head-to-head games, people might look at your bench players, but not as much. Start your 17, and you can still throw in a, you know, a spanner with putting three guys in from your extended squad at the last minute now before kickoff to throw the other team off or to match them or whatever. Like, if you've got 23, 24 runners in your side, you, you can still do that. Uh, maybe not mm. quite as effectively, but still fairly effectively to sort of mix and match your, your matchups if you've got that depth. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I I'm pretty big on it. If you can score points now, um, use them because you won't get to bring in someone good later. Something really crappy will happen and you'll spend your last trade on something you don't want or you didn't need just because you have to. So spend it now, bank the points, and then just limp home. <laughs> Slip home. <with> that. <laughs> <laughs> well, controversial finish here. I'm just going to ask you a yes or no. Uh, the purists of Supercoach would like us to have less trades. Um, I think after this season, we need more trades because of the increase in HIAs, injuries, resting of players, uh, judiciary matters that are coming up more and more and everything else. Are you a, a yes man for more trades for Supercoach or no? Oh, 100% we should get more trades. All the people that want less trades, just uh, they're holier than now. Oh, I use them so well. I know what I'm doing. You waste them as much as everyone else, and <laughs> we, we need to use them. It's the fun part of the game is trading them. And put it this way, I have had seasons, and I'm sure you have, have had too, where they could have given me 200 trades and I couldn't have fixed it. If you don't get your team right, two trades a week – for a whole season won't fix it. Like, it just doesn't. Because you, you, you've got, like, 25 players in your squad, and if you're totally stuffing things up, you can't fix it, really. And there's been times this year where I've, you know, used both trades, but one of them wasn't on Tom Travojevic, and I lost, like, 2,000 ranks because I went for Caelan Ponga. Like, there is still options, and there are a lot of things you can pick that go well and a lot of things you pick that can go bad. It's not a matter of just frugally holding the trades and, you know, if you if you use them... I think people think that if you use them well, people having a lot of them means they can catch up by jumping up and getting on the bandwagon, but I don't think it really works like that. I think that last year is a good example. We basically had trades for the whole season, nearly, and it worked pretty well, right? Like, did you notice anything different about it or unreasonable about last year? I enjoyed it more because I could trade for longer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it changed the game. Like, I didn't get to the end and think, oh, this was so different and so, um, you know, all no. 
people that couldn't play before have started catching up to all the people who are really into it. I didn't think it was like that at all. You still got to watch the games. You got to know who's going well. You got to know who, you know, things like we're talking about with the resting and things like that. Like who's who's playing against who, um, who struggles against who. All of that still matters a hell of a lot. It just actually gives you some scope to use it. Because at the moment, yeah. I feel like I know lots of things, but I can't use any of them. It's a matter of trades. Well, I mean, the other thing too is, that you, you know, and you've made this point before, and I know I really agree. I think it's a very good point that you made before when we've chatted that, you know, if you if someone's making really bad trades with 37 of them, giving them an extra 10 just means they're probably going to make really bad trades with 47 of them. You know, like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I play in a league with a guy once that I saw that in the buy round, back in the old split buy rounds, he traded in a player that wasn't... He traded in a depth player that wasn't playing that week, and it was like Aiden Caesar or something. Like, he traded him in for a buy round that Canberra had the buy on, and I'm just like, that's... People will... If people are doing things like that, giving them 10 more trades or 5 more trades isn't going to bring them sort of... Um, 10,000 ranks higher and challenging against other people. It's People will still do crazy stuff, me included, um, and it will even out that the players who are really good at it will still be really good at it. That's how it'll work. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, I find it the most frustrating thing for me is that when you have guys that are, that are injured, like there is legitimately this type of season where you could have almost, like the majority of your trades you've used basically to, to fix injuries. You know, and that's I don't want to say it's not particularly fair, but I mean, like, what's the point of having to hold guys, be, you know, that are injured for four, five, six weeks or for the duration of the season now if they're hurt right now? Like, it, you know, it's not it's not really anything that I've done wrong that Ben Hunt just broke his arm. You know, you could argue mm. that, you know, I've, I haven't used my trades well enough or whatever, but I, I feel like that some teams are being basically having a an injury every other week. So, I mean... Yeah, it's it, definitely more common. It's 100% more common now. The the, the game, the, I don't think there's any denying there are more injuries since they sped the game up, for starters, and they're taking concussion a lot more seriously. So, I mean, I'd never planned on not owning Ryan Puppenhausen, but he was out for 10 weeks. I wasn't. I didn't plan on not owning a lot of guys that that happened to, or people would be concussed and they'd miss one or two, and then you're like, well, this could be six. I have to trade this person. And they might have played the third week, but Ryan Madison's one where you go, after two weeks, you're like, I have to sell him because last time this happened, it was six and it could be 10. And knowing what we know about how Puppenhausen went, what are you supposed to do next year if Tom Travojevic misses two weeks at round four? You, you have to sell him because for all you know, he's out for half the season. But they're taking concussion very seriously and that's great. But guys missing way more games and then other injuries seem to be prevalent as well. So we just need more trades to handle that situation. It's fine and we've got to cope with it if you captain a guy who gets HIA'd out. But it's not the point of the game. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to bring people to the page. So we need trades to deal with those things. Yeah, and the first, <laughs> the first third of the season, you just have to get rid of those guys. Like people... There's certainly some of the supercoats purists or, you know, if you want to get in a heavy strategy or whatever, might say, oh, you know, you, you just hold Madison or you hold Pappenhead. That Later in the season when you've got players you can play, that's mm. fine. But if you're holding three of those guys in week five, you're playing a, a, a bare-bones 17 that's got like seven cash cows in it in your 17. You're just going to, you're going to end up rank 80,000 by the time those guys come back. You know, so like you have to trade them. That first third of the season in particular, if you cop injuries, you have no option. You have to trade them out. So, I mean, they, they almost need to bring in injury trade-outs or something just to let you trade out injured guys. I don't know. We, we could go on, on with it forever. Let's go, on to the, let's go on to the actual games. Broncos-Knights is the first one, so it's a good one for you. Um, 
with the the purchase sell category on this particular game, it's uh, look Pong is right there. Let's just talk about him. I, I think that he's a fantastic VC option here. I think that he's a sneaky outright C option if you want to, um, you know, just really go for it and get above the crowd because a lot of people will not see the first game up. And he's playing the Broncos who are giving up. I think it was close to 100 points now um, to opposing fullbacks. Might have gotten a little bit better, but they give up a lot. Pong is coming off, scoring 98 points against Canberra on the weekend. I thought he looked pretty good. He's now only 536,000 with a 58 BE, 76 average for the season, with the best draw in the comp for the last five rounds of the season. So I was always aiming to buy him for this week against the Broncos, Luke. This matchup looks phenomenal. I'm glad that he got through last week's game. He basically scored a ton. I'm expecting the same this week. As far as fullbacks go, it's hard to say... From this round onwards versus the Broncos, Ponga is the best option. But look, I tell you what, you know, I'll have to give credit for Turbo's record to say maybe Ponga's the second best option. But I, I really like him for, for this week against the Broncos. Yeah, he's a great buy. We were talking about looking at pods that can score big for you. Well, Kalen Ponga is in 5% of teams. He's only been traded in by 1,000 people at the moment. Um, so... He's only, you know, going to be at about 7,000 teams um, if that holds. And some people might trade later. But at the moment, he's behind a lot of guys. People are bringing in – more people have brought in Best Grant um, and Joseph Manu than have brought in Kalen Ponga, which seems like – I know they're in different positions, but it's quite mad. Um, Ponga, I think, is a, is a cracking buy. Uh, he's got Brisbane. Then he's got the Sharks, who he scored 163 on this year. And I'm very confident he went really big on last year as well. I'm pretty sure he put a real big ton on them last year. Then he's got the Bulldogs. Then he's got the Gold Coast, who have been given up like world record scores multiple times this year. They, they've been the biggest team for sort of giving up giant scores. And then he gets Brisbane again. Um, it's pretty hard to go past Broncos, Sharks, Bulldogs, Titans, Broncos. Um, Newcastle need to win. They need to win, I would say, four out of those five minimum. They probably need to win all five. He's making his captaincy debut this week. Um, I'd get on him. Uh, trying to look at the drawbacks. I, people might say, why did he get rested last week at the end? Um, I don't think that was injury-related. I, I actually am pretty confident it wasn't. From listening to the coach, he went off with 12 minutes to go, but they were pretty aware that they were playing on Thursday night, which is basically almost unprecedented to play like club football. You don't play four days later. It's pretty rough what Newcastle have got to do, actually. But yep. um, they played on Sunday. They pulled Daniel Saifidi off as well, and I'm pretty sure there might have been one other they pulled off. So they've just taken this as like they, they realised they couldn't lose the game and they got the guys that they really can't afford to be without off the field, which was Daniel Saifidi and, and Caelan Ponga. So I don't think that that's going to become a habit. Um, maybe if they're up by 50, you might see him go off. But if they're up by 50, then that's probably because Caelan Pong is on 100, like it was against Canberra, and you can probably live with it. Do you think that the short turnaround for for Caelan's gonna gonna matter too much? Because it is, like you said, it's a it's a very short turnaround, so it is going to be a bit tough. Um, he's pretty fit and strong. I think he's all right. Like to be honest with you, like he's got a he's got a bit of a sternum complaint, but he looked pretty good on the weekend. They they gave him a rolling over. He looked really sore the week before. I didn't think he looked in any pain this week. I, unless I was missing something, he looked pretty pretty tough and hard, came off, didn't see any problems. Um, no, I mean, he's obviously carrying something. But to be honest, Ed, when you get to round 20, everyone's carrying something. Yep. You go through the NRL, everyone seems to be struggling. Um, 
I think he's just a, a red hot goodbye. If you look at his season, he's gone 66, 163, 58 against Penrith, 40 against the Roosters, then 107, 96, um, a nine against Melbourne where he had to go off and then a 50 and a 98. So basically he's been in three floggings and he got 58. 40 and 50 in those ones and everything else is above 60 he's gone up he's got a 163 he's got a 98 no 107 I think he will he'll put a 140 plus on in the next five weeks at some point and probably one other ton I would be pretty confident over those five weeks whether it's this week I don't know but um, I reckon in those five games you can expect a really big one and another really really good one yeah probably the the only negative I'll, I'll mention with him that did concern me a little bit. One is that he can have sort of some of those smaller scores just compared to some mm. of the other fullbacks, but his base probably isn't as good as some of the others. Um, and that's, you know, like he, he got the two try assists on the weekend, um, two line break assists and, and the line break try himself, and he didn't quite hit the ton mark. Um, some of those other fullbacks mm. like a Teddy or, or a Turbo, that's well over 100 very easily. He doesn't... Um, he gets the, the base attack with the tackle breaks and stuff, but his actual runs um, and, and work rate probably isn't up there with some of the other guys. It's look, it, it, it's picking, it's it is nitpicking, uh, but it is something you know where he can have a smaller score than maybe the other guys sometimes. But I, I'm with you on this week. I actually, if it wasn't the four day turnaround, I'd be pretty conf- I'd say that he's going to go 140 plus this week against Brisbane. I really would. That's probably the only thing that's got me going a little bit smaller. But I'm still very confident that he's a ton. Um, and I'm very much on the VC boat just in case he does go that 140 plus because, you know, you, you need that 140 plus to loop just so you can lose 60 mm. points once Turbo plays and you, you realize <laughs> what you've done, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. No, the base is a good point. And I think if he, if you looked at those five games and you had two of them against, say, Parramatta and the Roosters or two top six teams, I would then start to back off whether I thought it was worth burning one on him because you do tend to get a 40 or a 50. But the Gold Coast and the Sharks are the best two teams they're going to play in those five weeks. So it's still a concern, but Newcastle don't score points without him. And like even Newcastle, who can struggle sometimes, are going to score points in some of these games. They're going to score. So um, I, I think at 5%, you just got to say, if I have a trade and I need a fullback, it's... That's it's time to hit the go button because he's the guy that might get that score that other people aren't getting. Got Pierce back this week too. Um, mm. I've seen some people say that oh that's that's going to take the focus away from him. I, I think it will help him immensely. It does help him. He he gets that he's not the first receiver. He's the second or third receiver. And if the first receiver is competent at football, that does help him. And the, the, the first <laughs> receiver is not always competent at football when he when Pierce isn't playing for Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. Um, look, the other thing too with this particular game is that we spoke about Bradman Best last week. Now, mm. I, me and Billy were both pretty much on exactly the same page that he uh, under 400k bracket, it's fine. Um, certainly go for it on that sort of price range. We both much preferred Nofo at sort of 410 or whatever he was, um, but sort of thought that the best could come good, but it was a risk because best hasn't really shown it this year. Um, he's been up and down with injury multiple times, and we have, just haven't really seen it from him. He came out and absolutely blitzed Canberra. <laughs> we said we said we wouldn't be surprised if he has a big game. Um, it's just quite risky, um, and we'd rather some of the other options. But he went 107 points, which is far and away his best score of the year. It's his first ton. Uh, it's his first try since round one, and he he looked really good, um, and he was getting that 
the the attack was there, but also I thought his running was very strong as well. He looked like he was going to be dangerous, and he looked fairly fit. So he's 382,000 now with a B of 10. So this is a great week because obviously a lot of teams still have you know the center wing graveyard happening with guys like Brian Tai sitting there, uh, people that have you know, Campbell Graham there for a third week down like me that might need a, uh, a center wing to come in. He does look like a good buy. Um, I, I would still be a little bit worried with that element of risk. Um, I think for me, he looked good and I would be comfortable if I sort of had one of those teams that had three or four trades or if I was one of those teams that already had five center wings and he was going to be my six. Um, I would be a little uncomfortable still, even versus the Broncos this week, if I was going to get him in and he was like my fourth center wing to play, I guess. Um if you bought him, I'd play him every week pretty comfortably from here. Um, I think he is he's still averaging in sort of the high 50s with a 16, an injured 16, and he's sort of his game there. So, yeah, so he's averaging 55 with a sort of a 16 and a 30 hanging around. He barely played with Kalen Ponga for the first half of the year at all. Um, look, he's an interesting one. I, I, I think if you're getting guys like, Deadwood out, like Suwali or Fuzatura or something, and you're padding your squad by one to get him in, I would do that if you need to play him. Are you looking for, if you're going, I need to patch some holes in my side and maybe you want Ponga to be your other trade or maybe you want Cleary or something where you just can't spend a lot on that other trade. Um, you know, like Brian Tor or two best might free you the money to turn SJ into, into you know, Jerome Hughes or Cleary or like whatever, whatever yep. other trades you're making, that could work. I think that's a really good scenario there. If that money down to best gets you in something else, or if you're sitting there and you go, oh, I can pump Sawali up to him for bugger all. I've got some cash free. I like that. But I don't know that I would bullishly go all in on him as a pod to do what we're talking about and really turn your season around. He's still only got 300s in his career. Um, two of them are against Canberra. So he really likes Canberra and he's already done against them. Um, could he get another one? Yeah, he probably could. Ponga gave him the ball pretty early and he is a hell of a player, Bradman Best. I, I really think he is going to be a very, very good rugby league player. Um, but he just hasn't shown like, the, if you've got one or two trades left, or, I, he's not going to go and score 140. That's probably my, my saying there. So if you need an extra bit of depth or you're making a downgrade to do something else, go for it. But don't make him the centerpiece of your trade. I'm trading in Bradman Best because that's what I want as my big trade in. I don't know about that one. Yep, yep. I'm pretty much on board with that, I think. Uh, how are you feeling about this weekend? Do you think the Knights are going to get up? Because I, I can't see you losing against Brisbane. I really can't. Yeah, look, every time, Pierce and Ponga have barely played. And when they have, they've looked pretty good. Um most games, the forwards have started really well, and without Ponga and Pierce, we've fallen away. So with all, them all there, everything says we should win, um, but I've seen them lose games where that should happen, and four days are a tough turnaround, and they're a team that when you give them an excuse, they take it sometimes. Um, you give them something like this where you can say, oh, we had a really crappy turnaround, it was tough. Sometimes they take that and don't sort of dig in and have a crack. So I'm not going to put my house on it, but I would be pretty disappointed if they don't win well. <laughs> well, top sport better the week for this one. I, I've already mentioned how much I, I'm loving Ponga for this week and how much Brisbane loves to give up points to opposing fullbacks. Anytime try scorer, $1.85, getting almost $2 odds for Caitlin Ponga to score a try against the Brisbane Broncos is absolute gold for me, so I'm all over that one. Um, Raiders Dragons is the next one. This one, I'm just going to say, all right, far, far less exciting. 
there's a lot less players of interest. There's a lot of injuries in these sides as well. The Dragons just had Ben Hunt break his arm, which is terrible for me because he's my second hooker. So Damian Cook's going to get extended run the next five weeks. Um, Raiders side has one guy, though, that we've spoken about for a couple of weeks as a purchase option. And it's now become very hard to say that the draw is holding him back, which is what I've said, you know, the last week with Billy. Jordan Rappiner. Rappiner is going great guns the last three weeks to the point that I'm not sure how much the draw is going to matter now. Since he's been playing at fullback, he's gone 81 last week and 97 the week before. And that 81 last week, Luke, he he didn't even have a, a try with it like he had the two weeks prior. So... It's it's becoming at 530,000 and at his ownership a little bit hard to worry too much about the draw at this point, I think, especially when he's got the Dragons this week. And depending on your league setup, it's either going to be, I believe, the first week of finals or the last week of the regular season before your head-to-head uh, finals actually kick off. So against the Dragons this week, it's about as good as it's going to get when you've got Ben Hunt out for the Dragons too and a few others. So, so Rapana does look like one of those guys that maybe we just need to throw the draw out for. But as far as this game goes, he's probably the number one target and really the only target that I think is interesting. Yeah, I, I can't see many others that could get you excited. Um, I wouldn't. I'm a I'm a fairly hard no on Rapana. I think the way we've been talking about windows over five weeks and things like that. I think once you got the storm in there and you probably factor that that is a down week. Um, I think Manly will absolutely sort of piss on them basically. <laughs> um, so that's two, and the Roosters could. You know, the Roosters have been hot and cold this year, but they could, and that. So I'm calling two games they get flogged in, one more where they might. That's too many for a pod at this point for me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he did get he did get a line break try assist on the weekend as well um, in that 81. I think, look, the, the good thing for Rapana at one that is there is that his base has been 36 and 38 the last two weeks. He hasn't done any... He hasn't done 36 or better in any of his other games. So certainly fullback, his raw base is going to be up. Um, I don't know what it was, but the last two seasons, his base attack's gone out the window, and that's been pretty well known. And so, and so is his runs as well. You know, last week he ran the ball 27 times, had three offloads and seven tackle breaks. That was Rapana circa 2017 when he was averaging 71 points a game. Like that's what you want to see from him. And, and those days, it didn't matter that he had a hard matchup because his base base attack, much like a prime nofo type of year would get you your sort of 60 points, 50 points at least. So it, it, it might not get you those big ones though. Um, so certainly, you know, you're right in, in those separating 100 plus scores from a pod. You're probably not going to get those. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were if you were after just a sort of a safer one that's still going to score well and have some bigger ones in there. Uh, yeah, look, he put 97 up against the, the Eels two weeks ago as well at fullback. I, I think that there's worse ones out there for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming oh. around a little bit. Yeah, look, there's worse ones, but they did beat the Eels, and I've not got them beating Melbourne and Manly. So if they beat them, I reckon he would go well, but I don't think they will. And I I reckon we talked about Best and where he's at. If you pay that much more for a partner, unless you just don't need the money, um, and you think, yeah, I would suggest Best will outscore a partner for the rest of the season if they both don't get hurt. Well, on the sit-start side of things with this game, I reckon that if you've got um, 
pretty much anyone involved in it, I reckon that you'd start them in this because I, I think that there's yep. Yep. we're showing that they're not very good quality either mm. of these sides, and there's probably going to be a lot of points. So if you do own any of them, um, I would probably be starting them, and that could include even some of the you know, lesser liked options, like if someone had a Valame or something like that for the Raiders, you know, hanging around for some reason. You know, I, I think the Raiders are going to put up some points on the Dragons. Yeah, it's a year for getting on wingers in Supercoach. With the game, the way the game's going, you want to be on wingers. So if you've got wingers or outside backs in this game, throw them in. And someone might have Tomoko or something. I think he's been brought back to start, unless I read the team list wrong. Um, yep. I, w- I would have a think about throwing him out against the Dragons for a try if you... If you you know your fourth center option isn't great, things like that, I would do something like that about him. Yeah, and I mean, look, the the Raiders still put up twenty four points in a losing effort versus you guys last week, so they do have some points in them. Um, mm. But there isn't really a lot to talk about in this one, so I will finish off by saying with Rappanar, yep. uh I've got him in my draft side, and for those draft people that do own him, I think that he's actually a pretty good VC for draft as well. In this one, I reckon that he probably will turn up this week, even though he might fall off a couple of weeks afterwards. When we're having a look at the top sport bet of the week for this one, interesting. The Raiders are a dollar twenty nine, but their line on top sport is minus eleven and a half. I think that they'll do a job on the Dragons. I think the Raiders will really want to get this win, and the minus eleven and a half and dollar ninety, I really like. The next game's a lot higher quality though, Luke. Eels and Souths. Uh, this one's this one's quite a good game. I, a lot of people give the Eels shit, but I actually quite enjoy watching them um, just because there's so many super coach options in their team <laughs> and I just tend yeah. to have so many of them so like I can cheer on a Sevo or Paulo and things like that so I, I quite like the Eels games and the Eels at South it's a really as far as super coach matchups go it's a golden super coach matchup because there are so many options between these two teams yeah there are a lot there there's a lot of and there's a lot of guys that are sort of you could have or you could not have. So there's a lot of season-defining or week-defining guys in there. You know, you've got guys that not everyone will have but are very are very good players, you know. So that's, um, you, you know, your Murrays, your Cooks, your Junior Paulos, all these guys who could get tons but not everyone owns. So I think that's pretty, probably a good thing about this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and let's talk about a couple of those guys, one of them that you just mentioned. So as far as p- potential purchases for this week, um, hugely controversial, I mentioned, I was on Paulo Watch last week as an owner, but also if mm. if I really needed a cheap uh, front row forward and I didn't have any money, um, Junior Paulo might start to come back on the radar, but we'll wait and see because generally Brad Arthur likes to put more minutes into him and he sort of uh, rolls into the rolls into the final series, um, you know, with a bit of form. Um, and he's really looked good the last couple of weeks. On the weekend versus the Roosters, he played 67 minutes. Now, that was because Regan Campbell-Gillard went down. So you can say, oh, look, he, he played extra. He did, but Regan Campbell-Gillard's out this week. Um, so I do think they'll, they'll lean on Paulo a little bit more again. He scored 71 points last week in his 67 minutes. I thought that they actually didn't score him very well. I thought that he scored more than that because he hardly updated and he had four offloads. Uh, but his offloads and his tackle breaks tend to be back the last couple of weeks. The week before, he played 56 minutes for 60. Uh, so certainly, you know, 56 minutes plus, I spoke about the week before as being sort of the the good point for Paulo. Um, and he's playing a South Sydney side that, you know, I, I keep doing it too, where I look at South Luke and I think they're, they're actually, they're, they're a really good side and they are, like they deserve credit. But they're not one of these really good sides like the Storm, that kind of strangle other teams or don't let them into the game or stop opposing forwards from being able to be effective and stuff. Like, a, a lot of other players that are good at Supercoach do put points on Souths. Um, and certainly in the middle, someone like Paulo can do that. 
Um, so I really like that he's been offloading and stuff. I don't want to sound like I'm endorsing Paulo Heats, but he is like around pod territory now. There is teams that are going to have like 450k to spend at prop and go, what am I going to do? I don't have anyone to buy. For the run home, I reckon you could do worse. Like we've seen two weeks of him now. It's a bit of a preview where he's averaged sort of 65 points the last two weeks. Uh, and if you can get that out of him when you've got to get someone in there to start, uh, I don't think it's too bad. And I'm expecting him to take on the South Pack this week. I'm expecting a few offloads again. Yeah, I like him. I, I always plan to get him in about this time cheap to, as my third prop because um, I, I thought they'd wind him up for the end of the year. I think they were managing their minutes through the season because they fell away last year, but I can't do it and haven't because I don't have enough trades to, for things like that. But I plan to, and I think if you can, I reckon he'll go well for the rest of the year. I think he's a really solid guy. Yep, and you've seen it the last two weeks. His raw base the last two weeks has been 53 and 46. You've seen raw. And to put that in perspective, um, he hasn't done anything higher than that since round 11, which is a 49. And the last time that he did a 50-something was in round 9, um, and that was because he played 68 minutes. So, you know, his base and his work rate's up, and so is his minutes. So another guy that has gone under the radar that we mentioned a few weeks ago and was actually... Oh, look, probably when Origin finished, he even before Origin finished, I think it was around game two, the Souths were playing the West Tigers, and I really wanted to buy Murray. Um, and I didn't, because obviously I wanted to buy a plan for no reason, because it did nothing for me. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't get him in. And the last four weeks now, we're on Murray watch the whole time. I mentioned him every podcast just about, but he got suspended last week. So I think he's off the radar for a lot of people. But all of a sudden, there's, you know, like we've mentioned many times, there's a lot of second rows that have been out. There's teams that even still have a Tohu Harris. Murray has backed up his 91, 86, and, 80, and 87 the three weeks prior to last and came up against the Warriors on the weekend and scored a try for 117 points. It was his third try in a row. Uh, I don't think it's a fluke. Um, I think that he's rounding into form as well, and I certainly think that they're looking for him a bit more. And I just think that he's getting his second win post-Origin. So as far as second rowers go, I've said to a lot of people, you know, David Fafita, you've got to have him. I think it's pretty open after that. Like, I really like Angus Crichton, obviously, but I would almost put Cam Murray in that boat now as far as your starting three. Like, if you needed that third, second rower, and certainly one that can um, be lower ownership and make a big difference by getting some big scores. Uh, he's one, and this week um, against Para, you know, their edges can be a bit susceptible, but certainly their middle can, which Murray works in a little bit too. Uh, I reckon he could be in for a good one. Yeah, he's really solid by... Um... He's one of those guys I've had a lot of years um, where over a season, he sometimes is just that bit off the top couple of options. But if you get him over five or six weeks, he can beat anyone in the comp because he, he, he'll base 50 or 60 in these games. And then he can just go on this run of going two tries or a try and an assist. And he can really go quite big. So over this is the perfect sort of time of year to get him. Or sorry, the perfect amount of games to get him for, to get him over five games. And if you jag one or two really big ones, you can end up having the highest scoring second rower in the, over that, over that time frame. He might be surprised if he doesn't score at least 100 in the next five weeks and he may well get two. Oh, that wouldn't stun me. So sit and start for this one. Um, I am an unapologetic Mike Acevo owner. He gave me 19 points on the weekend against the Roosters, <laughs> 48 and 47 the two weeks before, which, you know, I don't mind his like high 40s, you know, low 50s ones because I know sort of, you know, a bigger school will come mm. when he gets his double and everything else. Hasn't come. Uh, he's, you know, he's got two out of his last five games where he hasn't scored and two out of his last three where he hasn't scored. And it's been since round 13 that he's got a double. Certainly Mitchell Moses being back helps. But 
very concerning few weeks with a three-round average of 38 and a five-round of 42. Most teams can't trade him out. I'm certainly not in a position to burn a trade on him. Do you start someone like Sebo against Souths, or would you rather start, you know, a really non-fancy option like a Fay guy on the wing for the Dragons or something like that? Um, I'd need to see. Uh, if Paris score 12 points, I'd be surprised if Sevo doesn't score one of them sort of thing. He's that guy that they go to a lot. But the problem is that you need him to score two. And when you just, he can do that. But when you take, look at this game, it's a game you don't expect him to win with the form they're in. And once you say, okay, they're, they're not going to win, therefore aren't going to score heaps of tries. I just don't know that it's playing the percentages to take him because his downsides are 20 and a 10. Um, I would sit him. I would say I would sit him if you've got anyone in an easy game that's on the wing this week. Yeah, it's a real tough call. Um, and I've got to make it myself with uh, the young Dragons wing in at first, Sevo. Um, hard one. I need to have a look at whether he's on Mansour's side or not. If he's on Mansour's side, I might actually have to do it because he might actually burn Mansour a couple of times. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Damien Cook, um, I've not sat him at the right time. So two weeks ago, he had his 150-point game. Ended up with 56 on the weekend. Um, I am going to be starting him this week. A lot of teams have the option to sit him, though. Uh, I am a big proponent of this week versus the Eels, though, myself, because the Eels, like I said, very, very soft in the middle at times. They don't have Campbell Gillard there either, uh, and they often give up tries to opposing middle forwards. So normally that's Cook giving it to them. Cook gave a pass last week to Colin Matungi and didn't get and got the line break tries he's taken off him, so that's always a concern. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'd like to start him this week, even though it looks like a harder game. Yeah, I, I think he's one of those guys. There's very few games I wouldn't play him in at this time of year just because I think if you look across your squad, the fact that he's only going to get 40 if it goes badly, but he's got the ceiling, I think you just want to be playing guys like that at this time of year. Um, I, I'd be playing him most weeks, and I'd definitely play him this week if I owned him. Cody Walker, VC option in this one, looks like the, the number one guy to talk about. 151 points against the Dragons on the weekend. Uh, it's probably the only 150-plus score I can remember. Where people, most people end up absolutely gutted about it because they <laughs> were like obviously really happy that they had it and they were either ballsy enough to put the C straight on him or they did the VC loop and they were, you know, 100% you get a 150 plus score, you VC loop it if you got the VC there. But then Turbo came out and set a super coach record with 226 and everyone hated Cody Walker's 151. So look. Try and forget about that, guys. Just look at it as a 150-point game. He's now got 130-plus in two of his last four games, which is phenomenal. Um, his game against the Eels last time was solid with an 83. It didn't have a try included either. And it, it's a pretty big matchup. He, he just seems to be in really, really good form. So in the form that he's in, Luke, the fact that he plays early, uh, I'm going to put it out there that I'm considering putting the VC on him if I don't own Caitlin Ponga. Yeah, if you don't own Ponga, put it on Cody Walker. Yep, agreed. Uh, so, bet of the week for this one on Top Sport. Tough one. Um, I am going to go for the Sevo try, though, because I think that it has just been not enough tries to Sevo. Um, the wingers for Souths are, can be quite suspect on those sides. So, to score a try for Micah Sevo, we've got a dollar ninety at the moment, which is blown out to, I think, the best money that you can get for him for a month. So, really like that one. This next game, Luke, is going to be a quick one. Um, and I'm going to apologise to the fans of the Warriors and Sharks, but... <laughs> There just is not a lot happening for the Warriors and Sharks. So certainly no um, outright VC or C options or big purchases, but my favourite pod of all pod, big balls pod purchases that no one will be looking at at all. And I'm surprised that not 
not, it didn't even cause a ripple that you and Aitken was starting in the back row in the weekend and he scored 128 points. He obviously scored two tries with his 128 points, but he had a 58 raw base. He's $416,000, and he is a centre wing that's now probably going to be a starting edge back row for the rest of the year. He should have been a starting edge back row forever. It's how he plays, and you know it, it takes him one in a bit more to hide his defensive issues that he has at times. It's fantastic that Brown has done that. Like you can, we can both hate on Brown's coaching as much as we like, but he's got this one right. Um, and you and Aitken next year is going to be great as a dual second row forward centre wing if he gets to start at edge back row. But for this year, you know the Warriors don't don't have a horrible draw. They've actually got a very good draw with the Sharks this week the Bulldogs, Broncos, Raiders, and Titans. They've actually got one of the best draws. It's just that they don't have very good players for Supercoach. Ewan Aitken now all of a sudden becomes a good player for Supercoach for his center wing. So he's obviously, like a, a real uh, ballsy, um, risky option because he could get thrown out of, of the back row. But 128 points is no fluke. 58 base is no fluke for him in your center wing. I really, really like him. If it was earlier in the year, I'd definitely be buying him. Yeah, if it was earlier in the year, I'd definitely be doing it. I'm a little bit worried. I think Katoa is still on the bench. Like, that's not great um, because they've got someone who actually plays the position regularly there and their centres actually sort of suck. So, like, he could end up – he's been moved to the back row for depth, but the, their back line actually also sucks and you could quite feasibly see one injury or one thing being away from saying that's actually where our – holes are where we need to patch up because they're very short of players but yeah look earlier in the year 100% I wouldn't begrudge anyone doing that especially with that draw um the only reason again I won't be if you're sitting with one two three trades you've got to look at ceiling and I know it sounds stupid because he just did score two tries but let's take that out and assume that won't happen that much for the Warriors then I don't know if he's going to get you the huge ones you want it's almost a shame it's one of those things that I'm sort of angry happen now because it's the sort of thing I'd have just jumped on Ten weeks ago, or five weeks ago, even, and why didn't why couldn't they give us this when it was sort of really appetising, and I had all these beautiful trades to go and burn one on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, uh, I would it would have been one of my favourite trades to make all year if it yep. happened ten weeks ago. I would have been so in love. And you know, still people would have held off. Like it's like an Adam Dewey where he's just not a very popular player, and he's not one that's going to catch on enough for people to jump on. So it would have been phenomenal. One more for you. So I have a. Uh, this is a bit of a left field one. Now I accept this is really left field, but you know this is why we this is why we come on. Oh, here. I love it. I um, love the real left field ones. So, go, go. Well, I think at the moment there'll be a lot of people that will be a little bit stuffed at halfback that you could quite feasibly have now have either SJ or Hunt rotting there. There's concerns over buying Hughes because, like, I know he's been named now, but he went off early with a calf, and you know we don't know what will happen there, whether he'll play. If he does play, I, we can pretty much guess he will get rested at some point this year. Cleary's um, not back. If you were looking for a second half back, like if you've got SJ sitting there at 445 and you need to do something with him and you just don't have 300 grand to go to Hughes and you don't have like 600 grand to go to Cleary um, <laughs> and those sorts of sorts of things. Cherry Evans is 800. There's not much there at the moment. Um, if you have a look, just have a look at the scores of Braden Trindle this year since he took that 80-minute roll and then look at his draw. So I'm <laughs> serious. Was, yeah. I'm, I'm only laughing because yeah. he was one of those guys I mentioned at the yeah. start where I was like, yep. he, he was in the top yep. 11 for the, for the week, but he was one of those ones that he's just too dirty for me yeah. to even want to mention. <laughs> so he, if, you, if you really do need one, though, if, if you look at this is every 80 minute game I'm not picking and choosing this is all of them 53 84 
47, 75, and 112. And 112 against Manly. I know he scored a couple of tries, but that is sort of a good thing against good teams. Um, yep. The 75 against the Bulldogs, you know, the 84 v New Zealand, the, the worst. He's got a very, very good base, and his worst score is that 47. And you look at their draw, they play against New Zealand, they play against the Knights, they play against the West Tigers, and they play against the Broncos, and then they cop the Storm. So I'm just saying, like, two, there's two scenarios I would have a look at this at, is if you've already got a halfback. Like, for example, I have Sam Walker playing, and I do not have the money to go to Nathan Cleary. If I wanted a second halfback, and I probably just won't get one, but if I wanted one, he's a straight swap from SJ, and I don't need to find 300K for my other trade, um, yep. you know, to, to make a move at halfback. Um, and if I had, say, five trades, and I know that sounds very incredible, but if you had a heap of trades, he's got that 112 and a 75 rolling through, negative 17 BE, and plays New Zealand, then the Knights, and you can be looking at Nathan Cleary plummeting out in two or three weeks when he tops out. At, this guy's going to top out at about 600 grand and make up, you know, sort of could possibly get you a couple of good scores and then be swapped out. So it's very dirty, but I thought there's not much in this game, so I'm going to pull one into it. He has yet to have a bad game, um, super coach-wise, playing first grade this year in the halves, and SJ isn't coming back anytime soon, so he should have a, a pretty extended run at it. Yeah, I, I actually like it. And the other thing, too, that you didn't mention, he's a goal kicker, too. Yes, so yes, that's right. Yeah, He's going to goal kick in these games. And that 25 game against the Storm for that last round, We've already mentioned that they they rested all their players last year. Good point. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not even a hard game that last one because mm. uh, look, it's not going to be easy. Easy. Their second rate guys are pretty good, but mm. it's um it's not the Melbourne Storm Melbourne Storm game. Mm. So the Sharks have got a really good run. Um, I've been big on Sione Katoa before as well, and he's a guy that went 122 points against the Dogs two weeks ago. 40 on the weekend, you know, in a performance he didn't get a try. Um, I was worried about him going forward just because of Oh, I guess no SJ and how they're going to find points. But, I mean, look, if I owned him, I wouldn't be selling him. I'd be playing him because I think they showed on the weekend that they're going to score points and Trindle's going to be a big part of that as well. So I quite like it. Love the left field ones, Luke. Um, but let's. Um, I, I've got no idea what's going to happen in this game. I'm just going to say it outright. So mm. as far as betting on it goes on top sport, I tell you what, like it's 3.15 for the Warriors. Uh, I think it's given the Sharks way too much credit. Um, so I... I quite like stretching the line out to minus, to a plus 13.5 for $1.68, uh, which I think is fantastic for the Warriors, so I, I'm going to get all over that one. The next game on this one is the Roosters-Penrith. Now, this is a lot better, except for the fact that both teams have a huge injury ward, <laughs> so it, it could be better, but it's still going to be pretty good. Pod-wise, I don't want to go through the numbers of Daniel Tupo again, um, so I'm not going to because I talk about him too much. But I am going to say, if I need to see a wing this week, again, he is still someone that you can look at. We said last week he hasn't scored in four weeks. That's unlike Tupo. It doesn't happen. Or two weeks ago, sorry. He's going to go on a try-scoring run eventually. Round 19, he got a try versus the Knights for 80. Last week against Power, he got a try for 65. Uh, both, ga- both games, he averaged um, around a 40 raw base without any base attack as well. He's He's... Even if you're getting for this week, it's not the real Penrith Panthers guys. If Nathan Cleary isn't named, we've already seen that they're not that strong. Um, and you're going to want Roosters players for after this week. So you may as well get them now because Broncos and Dragons are the next two after that. So, Luke, with this Penrith side that the Roosters are playing, when we're talking about the Roosters first up, how do you feel about it? Because they haven't looked very good the last month. Um, we're going to assume that Cleary doesn't return. Stephen Crichton's out still. They do have some back, but some back out. Do you think that they're... 
you know, not as good with Cleary, with Cleary out. We should be looking at them as a bit of an easier super coach matchup than what perhaps we have in the past. Um, yeah, a little bit. I think it's hard because when they had Cleary out last time, if we go to the origin period, they also didn't have Luai um, at that point. Like when they played with all their origin guys out and lost a couple, they didn't have Luai, they didn't have sort of Toto and everything. I know Toto's still out now, but um, they've got Yo back at the moment, who was a key origin player, and they've got Luai. I didn't think they were that bad last week. I, I watched that game. They They got down like sort of eight by 18 at one point, but they had a lot, they put a lot of pressure on with the ball and just sort of got a bit tetchy in the 20 meter line. It really easily could have been 18, 12 at one point and they fell away in the second half and Melbourne have wiped everyone and they took quite a, it sounds silly, but they took quite a white, lot longer to completely wipe Penrith, even without yeah. those players. And they have like, they were, they were up by 30 against the Roosters at Newcastle at half time. Um, and they did that to a lot of teams and, um, I don't think Penrith are great without Cleary, but I don't think they're that bad with Luai in the team. Um, with Coruscant back will make a difference because he didn't play last week either. So you don't know Coruscant, no Cleary, that's no yo. It's not surprising they couldn't find tries. And I think they might have found a couple with a couple of those guys back. So I don't think they're an easy matchup, but I agree. I wouldn't be just, I wouldn't play Tupu against them with Nathan Cleary playing, and I will be all over playing him without them there it makes that big of a difference that it certainly means you don't sit these good players that you might otherwise give a week off to yeah so I'm definitely Mm. playing Tupo myself as an owner if I was looking at buying him I would buy him Mm. there is a few other guys though that are really hard to decide on the sit start with the Roosters um Satili Tupanua scored 48 on the weekend with a try wasn't a line break associated with it but that can happen I know you love Satili as much as I do, but I would bench him normally against harder opposition because his base isn't great. Uh, he's a tough one. Um, Manu went ballistic and scored another ton on the weekend, but it was out of position. He's now moved back to centre. And, and TKO, you know, he was there as a question mark if Jared, where Hargraves actually got off, it didn't get off his charge tonight, but we just found out that he's gotten off. So you have to not play TKO. But guys like Manu and Satili, you know, like uh, I think, most matchups should probably play them both at the moment because even though Manu's back at centre, he's on fire and it would be hard to bench him. Um, but against the Panthers, you know, how do you feel about those guys with the sit start? Uh, yeah, look, if you've got really good depth, I could make an argument for leaving them out. But I think most teams, if you look through, I, I think I don't think anyone will really have the sort of team where they can't leave someone else out. Like there'll be someone in their team who's just going to score a solid 55, and I would always leave them out for a Satili or a Manu, the guys with a ceiling, because you're better off getting the 40 than, you know, than getting, you're better off getting 40 if that's the downside um, than playing a stodgy 50 and missing a ton. So I would play those guys over most guys you're probably going to leave out instead. Mitch Barnett's that people might be having around, those sorts of guys like TKOs, those sorts of guys who are going to score 50, I'd rather play your Satili's even against Penrith with Cleary out. I think there's still a chance they can go over and, and, and do pretty well. Yep. Yeah. Mm. It's a tough call. Um, Sam Walker's another tough call, actually. I played him last week out mm. of necessity, um, and he scored his 87 points. I was going to bench him. Uh, scored 38 against the Newcastle Knights the, night, the week before, though, and doesn't have the goal kicking. So he's another tough one this week. I, I think that it's a... I don't think there's any real answer. Um, I am going to say that I think the Roosters do do well this week. I know that people will say it's because I'm a Roosters fan. Look, I expect us to go badly against some of the better teams a lot of the time now, but uh, I, I just don't. I just don't love what I've seen. Best, you know, with the Panthers to think that we don't have a shot um, 
of going okay. So that's why I've got I've got Teddy down as still a, a VC option or even a C option um, against the Penrith Panthers. I think that he's going to be up for the game, and he looked in pretty good form last week. A lot of good passing and tries. Yeah, he's looking pretty good. If I owned him, I'd have no hesitation playing him. Um, Sam Walker, I will be playing because I have him and Sean Johnson at halfback. So um, he will certainly score better than Sean Johnson. Um, I, I'd probably play Walker. I could understand. Again, like, I, I think I don't think Penrith will be bad, but I, I think that it will be a reasonable game that Penrith could win or lose, not a game where it's gonna Penrith are going to wipe them and hold them to six or something, even if the Roosters don't win. Um which I'll probably tip Penrith, but I'd, I'd be thinking more 24-18 or something. So I think you want to be on Walker. He's one of those guys at the moment where unless you're playing Melbourne um, or something like that, you probably just got to have him because there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. Like you, you're 87 v Para, 38 v Newcastle. You're not sure what he's going to do. So if you're going to own him, you probably just want to roll him out most weeks so you don't miss the good ones. Yeah, it's it It's really hard to tell with Walker. Um mm. One of the scary things with Tedesco and why I'd make it a VC, definitely not a C, if you do like the look of him for this week. He, uh, Penrith are his worst team as far as his max scores go. You know, the mm. 84 points that he scored against Penrith is his best score. Uh, the next um, worst best score is 89 points versus the Roosters from when he was a Tiger. Everything else is 100 plus and like 125 plus really for most of it. So Penrith, he does not score well against. Uh, he scored 54 points against them in round 15, which was a drubbing still, but he just never scores well against Penrith for some reason. So there is that to consider as well. I do like the fact that, you know, you have to look at the numbers side of things and say that can't continue for the rest of his career. He's going to have a big game against Penrith. So I think he's pretty close to it. Um, and without Cleary and that, it could be the week that he actually does get the 100-plus score against Penrith since he hasn't done it for such a long period of games now. Um, on the Penrith side of things, there is really only one question that we're going to quickly look at, and that's a sit-start. A lot of people have held Tavita Pangai Jr., Luke. He's obviously had a good year and then was out um, suspended and then was maybe going to change clubs and was meant to play last week off his suspension and they chose not to put him in. He's finally going to make his debut. A lot of people held him, 67 average for the year, He's coming off the bench, though. The Roosters have been a bit soft in the forwards, more so than I would like as a fan. Here's someone who offloads and is probably going to want to, uh, I guess, impress his new club. You know, do you look at starting him straight up this week, hoping for the, you know, five offloads off the bench and everything else? Or do you wait and see and, and be a bit cautious about it? No, I, I wouldn't go anywhere near playing him unless I absolutely had to. Um, I think the only two things that will happen are he'll play a 30-minute bench roll off, you know, a 30-minute roll off the bench. That's how Cleary uses bench forwards. And I, I very much doubt he's going to bring a guy like that in and then just give him minutes when he's been in the squad. You know, like he's had this squad together all year. He's going to say, you're in here, you earn your stripes and play a very limited role. Or the other thing that might happen, if you look at their side this week, because they've got... um. They seem to have uh, Capewell out by the look of it. I'm just looking at the, the team at the moment. They've got Sorensen at the back row. Is that if Kickout keeps rotating his minutes like he does, he might just come on for Kickout and play that half a game on the edge. Like that could easily happen. Kickout gets rotated a lot. Um, and Liam Martin's at prop, so maybe he goes into Kickout spot and Pangai goes to prop there. That might be what happens. But I don't see big minutes for him. And I think it'll be clear he will be. I think there's no way you'd bring in a guy from the Broncos at this time of the year and a guy with a bit of an attitude reputation and just give him big minutes. I think you'll say, hey, you're in this squad now. You're not a big deal here. And if you need to earn your spot, because you're not even guaranteed to be picked, that's what the message I'd be sending him. 
Um, he obviously will be guaranteed to be picked, but I think they'll really make him earn it and say, you've got to go out and give us a good 20 minutes, a good 25 minutes. You get 30 next week and you've got to earn a spot in this squad. You just don't walk in to the best team in the comp and start running around like you're getting 50 minutes or something. Yeah, I, I would agree with mm. you that I'd bench him as well. And I'd go one step further and say, oh, I think because it is a new team, he's not going to have free range or the attitude of going in there and offloading everywhere like maybe he was at the Broncos at times off the bench. So mm. he might be a little bit more restrained than normal. Um, and he scored 93 points against the Roosters last game, but that was because he was playing 80 minutes on an edge at the Broncos where he's offloading like a demon. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd um, sell him. Not... Like, seriously, if you got the trades, I'd sell I think he'll be totally useless for the rest of the year for Supercoach. I'm happy to be have egg on my face, but listen, I just do not see him playing a major role for the Penrith. He's bought to give him, to, instead of having someone crap, give him 30 minutes off the bench. They've got someone good to do it. That's what he's there to do, in my opinion. Well, I 100% agree with you. I think the problem is that people have held him this long. Mm. So, you know, if I, like I sold him the first week he was suspended. Yep. Yep. You know, I just wasn't going to hold him. He wasn't good enough for me to hold him for a month. Yeah. And then and then on top, having the rumours of a transfer and all that stuff that was going to hold things up too. So I was actually really surprised the amount of good super coaches and podcasts that said hold him. Like mm. I, I was really shocked, actually, because to me it was like a, a no-brainer sell and a lot better players that have been out for three or four weeks were sold. So I was surprised. But if I am one of those people that wanted to hold him and was like steadfast on holding him, I think that you probably just got to see how it plays out for a week or two unless he's somebody that you have to sell because you're going to want to see. Like, you've been waiting, what, six weeks? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, On the uh, top sport betting for this one, the bet of the week is the Roosters plus 13.5 for me. $1.65 you'll get for them. Uh, I don't think they'll lose 13 plus. Fingers crossed they won't <laughs> or I'll be very upset on the weekend again. But this next game is the Storm Manly. Uh, great rematch from... You know, the old days when we had the Glenn Stewart uh, and Adam Blair fight on the sideline. And talking about that, surely that's one that's got to come up on the Rugby League Cemetery playlist for the podcast recording soon, surely. Uh, when it gets old enough, it'll be on there. You can be guaranteed of that. It's just got to, we've got to let it age a few more years yet in the cellar. But when it comes out, it'll be getting a massive run. That was a fantastic game. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen a fiercer punch take off a mouth guard off someone's ear. It was uh, huge <laughs> sideline entertainment. That was um, wonderful. <laughs> When we're looking at um, the purchase-sell side of things, there's two guys that have been, um, for Storm and Manly, I guess guys that were sort of spot starts would probably be a good word, that were sort of a run and end up sticking in teams and end up playing very good and probably above where they were expected, and that was Brandon Smith and, and Schuster. Um, now, both of those guys are at a point now where, you know, Brandon Smith scored 35 points on the weekend. Schuster looks like he's, he's possibly going to lose minutes as well. Um, where do you stand with these guys? As, not even just playing them, but uh, on the selling side of things, because obviously Grant's come in, um, scored 88 points on the weekend. I thought that the Storm looked like it was very hard for them to get everybody minutes now that they're all back, and Bellamy kind of struggled a bit with that, and Brandon Smith kind of looked a little bit like the odd man out with as far as his scoring. Um, you know, would you be looking at selling a Brandon Smith or a Schuster to move them on? Yeah, I, I probably would. Um, if I had the trades again, I always plan to sell Brandon Smith, um, but I won't be now because he's playing. So he's going to stay in my team somewhere. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I think if I had a heap, if I had even four trades, I would bump Brandon Smith probably to Harry Grant, um, or you know, shift him out of hooker into my back row and make him depth and buy Grant some other way or something like that. Um, I, I don't. 
I think it's hard. I, it, it, we've seen him at lock. If you go and look at his history when he's playing lock, he just hasn't scored relevant points. Um, and he scores points at hooker by attacking stats, and he scores tries and things like that. He makes big bullocking runs at line breaks and scores tries, and you're just taking – if he plays 20 minutes at hooker and then goes to lock and then goes off the field, you're just taking too many minutes where that might happen out of a game percentage-wise. There'll be a game or two where he does it anyway because they're good and he'll go over from dummy half in the first 20 minutes. But instead of watching 60 minutes of Brandon Smith hoping he barrels over for a try, you're watching 20 minutes and like the odds just aren't very good on that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, he played 55 minutes on the weekend, and mm. that's just never going to be enough for him. Yeah. Like, I, Obviously, when me and Luke are talking about cells of guys that are healthy, you have to have enough depth in your squad to be able to do it and not be holding injured guys, uh, and then you can look at doing it, and if you've got enough trades to do mm. it. Um, but certainly, Brandon Smith would be at the top of my mm. list. I, I think that you need to, and obviously, the last game of the year, he could get rested as well. I think the benefit for, for, for him is is that there is a workaround just because he is dual, is you can get a little bit out of both, is you can shift him out of being a must-play at hooker and make him depth. If you've got Deadwood somewhere, like if you've got Tor or Dead or a back or Tohu Harris Dead or something like that, you can bring Smith out of hooker and make him your 19th man in the back row of someone you can play, so you're not wrecking that situation, and bring in a hooker that you want to play every week for good points. And I think that that's something I'm looking at, saying, can I get Brandon Smith down to the back to become my fifth back rower and hopefully yep. not play, but probably will end up playing out of the season's gone, um, and get Grant up the top. And I reckon that would be something I would definitely think about. So we're going to talk about Grant next. Just on Schuster, he hasn't lost minutes yet, but it looks like it might come. But they do have the Storm and then Power the next two weeks. So not the best couple of weeks of footy. Um, to me, like he's, I would certainly rather sell Brandon Smith. But mm. if I had Schuster, I wouldn't let him be getting in the way of me owning a an Adam Dewey at six or something like that. Um, I, I do think Schuster's in for a tough couple of weeks and there is a risk that his minutes go down. So I, I think that he's a decent enough sell if you needed to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with doing it. I, I wouldn't be rushing to do it. He scored okay and the minutes have just kept holding up. So I would keep playing him while they do. But um, sure, like maybe, it, yeah, if you've, yeah, I would do him to Dewey pretty comfortably, but most people won't. So if you've got Cody Walker there already and you don't want Dewey, I'd probably just hold him. I, I wouldn't spend another trade on anyone else there, but Dewey, I would, yeah. So looking at Podwatch, um, Harry Grant, you mentioned, and he's a good one to mention. He's come out and scored 88 points on the weekend in his 58 minutes. He just keeps doing it. He keeps not playing many minutes. He's averaging 55 for the year, and he still just keeps on scoring well at 74 points a game. 88 on the weekend, 38 in broad base, uh, his last three games in a row, he scored a try, including on the weekend versus Penrith. He just looks really good. Um, and he has every time that he's played, really, for the last two years. Very hard not to look at him at 596,000. Um, obviously, playing Manly is a tougher game. He does have an 82 B, so he could wait. But like me and Luke said, if you've got someone that can go big, and he is a guy that um, maybe his minutes will go back up, if he gets back up to, to 80 minutes, or, or Brandon Smith goes off or, or has a rest one game, he is a guy that can go 140-point game at some point in the next few weeks. So I really like him as a hooker purchase, um, if you have to get one. Um, and I do think that it is a big upside one if you can swing like a a Braley that's been um, rested from the night side straight to a Harry Grant. Um, that's a big win. So it does look like a decent trade for this week. Yeah, 100%. I think um, I really like the look of him. He hasn't got that big score yet this year, but I think... They will put some, because he hasn't played very much, I don't think he's a risk of being rested. He's at the sort of more of a 
the benefit of the opposite of that where you want, I think him and Pappenhausen, they want to put minutes into. They're guys that are off the pace because they haven't been playing and they're like, we're building to play Penrith in a grand final and we need these guys at their best and we need them to play fit and hard minutes. So I think they might build him into the 60s, even if they're only planning to play him 50 minutes in the finals. I think they might get that that sort of um, game fitness back in his legs and get him ready to go. And he just can do it. We know he can do it. And I don't think that many people will be able to do it. He's not in many teams. He's been brought in by 1,700 so far this week. So it's not a lot. Um, Most people probably do have two hookers. So it's probably a situation where most people will trade elsewhere. And I think that's just, if you could get him and Ponga this week, which is what I'm thinking of spending my last two on, I just think you're giving yourself a pretty the best chance you can give at getting two big scores from guys most people don't own. That's a really good chance. Yeah, and it's not often that you can get top mm. echelon elite supercoach guns that other people can't get in for the run home or aren't getting. Yeah. Um, and that's the case issue with guys like that as well. Yeah. Um, complete extreme pod. Um, I'm not going to quite say it's a, a Trindle one. Um, even though I really like <laughs> that one, but I think it's it's slightly less pottish, but still very pottish. I'm like, I'm disappointed in myself because I mentioned Morgan Harper a month ago and I was chatting him up for a buy purchase as a big balls pod, but he hadn't done enough for me to fully get around it. And I I had a feeling that it was going to come and I just sort of didn't talk about him much after a month ago. Since round 17 by, he's gone round 18, 61 points, round 19, 141 points and round 20, 86 points. Obviously, Manly have been toweling teams, but very quietly, Harper's uh, the last few weeks had a raw base average of 36, and he's also had some great base attack with his tackle breaks. He's scored a whopping five tries in the last three weeks as well, um, and he just looks really good and comfortable, and he was a guy that we did see at the Bulldogs when he got a chance, really scored super coach points well, um, and all year he's been very solid without being spectacular which is why I was really big on, look, if you really wanted to get a really out-there pod that nobody else has at 1% ownership, a guy like Morgan Harper at 400k at the time, you know, he he, he could deliver you something and go on a bit of a run because he needs to start scoring tries. He's done all that. Um, whether he keeps doing that, I'm, I'm not sure against Melbourne, but I do think from power onwards with Canberra, Bulldogs and Cowboys to close out the year, uh, if you really wanted to go for an extreme pod, I've got him in draft and I love it. Um, he's someone who I could see going on with it. I wouldn't be surprised if for the balance of the year, he averages 70 points a game as a centre wing and has at least one other big ton in there. Manly have a huge ceiling, so yeah, I couldn't talk anyone out of it if they really wanted to go balls to the wall and give it a go. Um, I wouldn't be doing it this week, but yeah, he's he's a, he's a good player, Morgan Harper. I, I really like him as a footballer too. I think he's got a lot going for him. VCC, look, it's, it's one of those games where traditionally you just stay away from it, and, and I understand completely. But this isn't a traditional week. Tom Travoyevich has scored 226 points. I am very much in two minds, Luke, so I'm interested in your opinion on it with this game. Um, there isn't phenomenal games after this, so this is probably one of the games you want to look at, one of the premium options in Turbo as a C. He's coming off 226 points. You know, Even though it's a storm, he's in superb touch. Out of 11 games, he's only got three of them that haven't tunned, and one of them was a 95 I've not seen much downside, even versus Storm here. No, 
I'm not on him. I, I, Melbourne are too good. I've watched them play too much. I think this will be a really good game. I cannot wait to watch this. I, I really, I'm really annoyed about how many players were injured for Penrith. So I really wanted to see Melbourne and Penrith, and that was just ruined by bad luck. And then this was the other one I wanted to see. I really want to see where Manly are at. I think they'll be really fired up. I would not be stunned if they really shocked them and beat them. I, I'm going to tip Melbourne, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Manly got them. But I just don't see the captain score. I don't see the captain score this week. I think they could go really well and beat them, but that's not got Turbo scoring to 120, you know, like or 150. I've got him at, you know, 80 or 90 because he sets up three tries and they win. That's still not going to get you to the score you need to captain, in my opinion. They're not in super coach this year. I'd be rather just chuck it on Ponga. I, you can't BC Ponga if you go it on Turbo, so that's a big problem. Um, I like um, Dewey, who I'm sure we'll talk about. I'd like Cody Walker even against Para with the way they're playing. I think you've got to chase the 150, and I do not want to back someone to get uh, as good as he is, not against Melbourne. Uh, I don't see that big one. I think the thing that makes it the hardest for me with this is, you know, he was probably, I think he was 42% captain last week. Mm. He'll probably still be 30% captain this week, and that's the big downside with Turbo. His ownership is so high and the captaincy is always so high, it becomes hard. Like, if if people jumped off to the point that he was 8% captain this week, Mm. I think that it's a legitimate thought that I would have to do it, and I would consider it, and I might actually go for it. If he's 30% anyway... You know, that's still a 12% drop-off of where he normally is as far as a captaincy option. You just not get enough value out of it. Can I, I, can I put something to you? I've just got the stats for you. So yep. I'm going to put you his games. So going through these scores, there's I'm just going to go from round eight. So he's got a 68, 191, 120, 159, 40, 208, 144, 95, and 226. They lost two of those games, and the two games they lost, he scored 68 and 40. So if you're tipping Melbourne to win the game, then the two scores we have on this is he got 40 on Newcastle when they lost. So even playing the Knights without Pierce or Ponga, um, he got 40 because they didn't win, and he got 68 against Penrith when they didn't win. So if you're not tipping them, I wouldn't get on him. There's, there's, he doesn't, when they don't win, then he's just not getting those big daddy scores. He's got, they need to win and win well. So you're telling me if I'm tipping Manly, he's a chance. Yeah, well, if you, <laughs> if you think Manly are going to put points on him, then get on him because he's the one that's going to do it. But yeah, I'm just pointing out that if you're not tipping them, then if you go on his scores in losing games, is he does not have a 70 this season in a losing game. And he, no, has, he has 100, or, and sorry, he has one score under 100 in games they've won, and it was a 95. So <laughs> if you're tipping them, throw away the key. But if you're not tipping them to win, the stats are saying he is not going to go well, that well. Yeah. yeah, no, they are really good stats, and they are really fair. I am actually, I'm probably going to tip Manly for an upset here. Mm. Uh, but on the top spot bet of the week, I'm going to give them the line. Plus 12.5 points for Manly, $1.85. Uh, I reckon that's really good for them not to lose 13+. plus. Agree. Uh, mm. Next game, Dogs Tigers. Now, this one, I'm just gonna, I'm sorry for Doggies fans that I keep putting a line through your options, but there just really isn't any that are, that are mm. popping up that are good enough. Uh, for the Tigers side though, I'm 100% starting Nofo, and like, I know everyone's gonna start him, but I just want to mention that Nofo's a special for a double this week. Um, but the CVC option, Adam Dewey, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, I have the VC on Ponga and the C on Dewey. And he just showed on the weekend again, 97 points in a game that was an absolute bludger. Like, they absolutely butchered that game, the West Tigers. They were up 10 or 12 nil. They only ended up putting on, what, 16 points. Lost 18-16. Uh, he still mm. scored 97 points. Like, you can say that 
Oh, the goal kicking boosts him when they, you know, because they score a lot of tries. They only scored 16 points. He's still got 97. Like, 97 80, 154 97. You know, that's his last four games. And his last three games since he's gone back to six, he's got 110 average. You know, it's, and against the Bulldogs, like, the floor is a ton at the moment, I think, for him against the Dogs. And probably the upside is that he, he beats his 141 points against the Gold Coast Titans in round nine. Um, so I, I'm really big on captaining him this week. But from what you said, you're you're all over it as well. Yeah, 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 I'm all over it. I, I let you talk me into him a couple of weeks ago. I let the numbers speak against my dislike of him as a player, which is fading a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'm not as off him. I was more off him at South when everyone claimed he was good. Like when everyone was like, oh, he's, he's everyone's got to go and get Adam Dewey. He's so good, blah, blah, blah. I was bothered because he's sort of just not that good. But now it's worn off a bit. He's, he's I don't mind him. Um, super coach wise, he's quite good because he can set up tries, score them, and he just runs the ball a lot. He's quite a notorious hog. He's got that lovely Connor Watson way of ending up with 20 in base for hit-ups when he plays 5-8. Yeah, yeah. If he's like in any doubt about what to do, he's like, I don't mind a run here. I'll dummy it and go myself. So, and, and, and look, it's it's sort of the Seguiaro thing when he was at hooker. Seguiaro, whenever he was in doubt, used to try a burrow over try. And Dwayne or Dewey, whenever he is in doubt near the line, he dummies and goes. And that just, like the Seguiaro thing, it just works sometimes. Like super coach-wise, it can be frustrating in real life sometimes because you might have botched three tries by not passing, but it does eventually work. Um, Jack Whiten's another one. It just eventually works. So he's getting a good base. He's got a try in him. He kicks goals. And um, I, I, I think he's a rock-solid option. I'm hoping to be looping Ponga. But if you own Dewey, and we're talking about how do you get those boosts at this time of year, how do you jump up the ladder, people just won't do this. He's not that well-owned. And even people that own him just might not do it because it's just it's not sexy. Um, I don't like owning him, even though he's killing it for me. I'm so like this isn't it doesn't look right having him in my team and not Cameron <laughs> Munster. It looks wrong, but he's better than Cameron Munster at Supercoach. And it's time we've got to get around it. And you, if you own him, you should very strongly consider captaining him this week, even if it makes you look a bit funny at yourself. Oh <laughs> uh, look, it's two of the next five against the Dogs. Mm. Like seriously, and he's that that Dogs edge that he's going to come up on. He's going to kill it. Like, he will destroy them on that edge. And at least one cutout ball will go to Nofo for a try. At least one. So I couldn't get behind it enough. Um, there is a couple of juicy pods for the Tigers. One is one of those ones that I'm embarrassed to talk about, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Moses Mbai, um, hopefully no one from my draft um, competition is going to be listening, but my number one waiver claim is for Moses Mbai to come into my side, <laughs> in my draft side. He's going to be the starting fullback probably for the rest of the year now that Laurie's out, which is really unfortunate for the Tigers, but it means that he played 80 minutes on the weekend and scored 82 points, and he's going to be a starting fullback um, with two of the next five games being against his old club, the Bulldogs, and then the rest of the great draw that they've got. So uh, if you know, Mbai is you know a, a pretty extreme pod, but he has a really good draw. Uh, but even if it's just a matter of you don't have any money to spend. So Luke mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, leading to downgrade someone to upgrade somewhere else with your last two trades. Moses M buys $255,000. So you could do so much by putting him in your center wing as a guy that you can start every week aside from Penrith in round 24 because of their draw uh, and get good enough center wing points out of for 255000 So he's a really good value pick. And as far as... That price range, you will not find better for the rest of the season. I'm pretty confident in that. I'm pretty confident he'll average like a 55-plus for the year, which at 255k, I think, I think that's pretty good, Luke. So if you've got to do a downgrade like that, oh, he's ripe there for the picking, I reckon. 
Yeah, if you're carrying a Johnson or someone at 450, I was talking about him a lot, but that's because he's in my team and other people will have him too. If you're trying to get to Hughes or even Cleary, um, whether this week or, or soon, that's a perfect move. Like a tour, or if you've already got four good centers to go tour or to Mbai or something like that, knowing you can play him and you can make a decision not to if you're like your other guys, but you can play him any week. Um, that can be what gets your Johnson um, sort of level guy or a Hunt or whatever, whoever you got stuck there, to all the way up to Cleary, Cherry Evans, Pod, Hughes, those guys. So that's where I think those moves can be really helpful. And fullback's his spot too. Like he's, yep. he stinks it up at six. Um, he stinks it up even more at centre. And obviously he's useless as a bench utility. But when he does play one, which admittedly he hasn't gotten to this year, that's where he can score well. So that's where you want him. So it is a decent go. Um, the last one is Luciano Le Lua. I go off uh, on and off about. He's often a, a bit of a buy-round special for me, and I normally like to leave it at that. But um, they do have the good draw, and he is coming off a really good game, Lucy. So on the weekend, he ended up scoring 83 points. Um, the week before, it was a 47. The week before against the Broncos was 69, and... He is very much going the route of lately he's been scoring very well against bad teams. And again, I have to bring up the Bulldogs edge. So if you needed to get a edge back rower in your supercoach side for under 500k, I think he's the best pod to go on that can give you a couple of big scores in the run home. I'm not going to go into him anymore because I don't think he's that good. Mm. But just in that price range, I'm going to mention because against the Dogs, I think he's one of those two games, if not two out of two. He's going to be getting a try or at least a line break try assist. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I had a look at him. I think he's a really good pod, a good option. I just looked at his scores and I, I'm very big on if you're going to spend one of your late trades, I want to see a big ceiling. And he, there's not a lot of big scores that change your week, but he's a good option and he's a good price and he's got a good draw, so I wouldn't hate it. Minus six and a half on top sport is the line for the Tigers. Uh, you can bring that back to a minus five and a half and get a dollar seventy-eight. I'm going to take that $1.78 for the Tigers to win by 6+. plus. Love it. Last game of the round, Luke. It's an absolute blockbuster, but of course it's not, because the last game of every NRL round is an absolute dud. <laughs> the Titans versus the Cowboys. There really is not much to talk about in this one, so let's just cut straight to the point. Lolo uh, didn't go as well as what I was hoping on the weekend against the Broncos' edge. Um, I'm going to back that that doesn't happen two weeks in a row. I think that he's going to hit up this um, this edge pretty hard. He's starting in the back row, um, and I, I'm really looking forward to the battle. Um, Fafita's obviously the other big one that is a, a C option in the final game. I tell you what, the shine really came off on the weekend, though, because he ended up with 58 points, and, and obviously not getting the minutes because he started on the bench. Now, he's been named in the back row again, for Fafita to start, but you have to think that he's probably going to be benched again. Um, look, before we finish on the previews and leave for the night, I just need to get your take on this. Like, is this as bizarrely ridiculous a move to play David Fafita 56 minutes a game as what I feel like it is? Oh, it's absolute stupidity. It's just, um, it's this media nonsense that's been going on all year when they would, they keep scoring 30 points a game, getting run down, and then people at the end go, Geez, wasn't didn't Fafita go missing? And you go, you bought him as a strike edge back rower. He scored two tries. You got thirty points, and all you want to do is piss and moan that he wasn't running the ball when you were letting in five tries. But why doesn't someone make a tackle? And it happened. They went into a conference the week that he actually scored two tries and grubbed for one. And they came in and said, "Oh, do you think Fafita needs to give you a bit more?" And you went, no, we got run down by thirty. 
and lost 36-30, <laughs> and he did everything he was supposed to do. It's terrible. And I'll tell you, it, it, this really bothers me because Tino, who they've bought, has been crap, like fair income crap. He makes more mistakes than any front rower I've seen in the comp. He shouldn't, like, he dead set has no business being in rep teams the way he's been playing. And all your listeners will think I'm mad, but go and look at the stats. He doesn't lead anywhere near in metres that he makes. He makes more mistakes than any other front row in the competition, and they keep getting run through the middle to lose games, and everyone thinks he's been this amazing culture signing that is changing the Titans, and keep basically making out like Fafida is going like crap. And it's the opposite. That Fafida is killing it, and him being off the field could cost them making the finals, because one of these weeks, it's just not going to work for them, because they've left their best weapon on the bench half the game, and I find it very strange that the media and people on social media and everywhere else have got this narrative that he isn't going well, because he is, and the guy they signed from the Storm is the one that is not going well, and no stats that you can go and look up anywhere will say the opposite of that. I, I, I half baited my book with that one because uh-huh. I knew it was coming, <laughs> but I didn't want to hear it. No, no, I, I wanted to hear it. Um, I, I mostly agree with you. Um, I do think that Fafina's doing fairly well. I, I will say, like, I think the part of it that I agree with, with with the media and stuff is that he should be doing more work than what he does, and he has sort of shirked the responsibility of the highest paid player there that should really probably stand up to some of the packs at times, like but he's still doing a good job. Like, he's still scoring tries, and it doesn't matter. Like, I do I do think he should be doing more work. I do think that he, at his size and his ability, he should be standing up to guys like TPJ. Um, I do think that he's being too much of a front runner. But all that considered, if he's not on the field, you have less chance of winning yeah. a football game. So even, exactly. even with him doing all that and not being as good at those things, he's still very, very good at making line breaks, tries, and scoring opportunities for a side that relies on him to do that. So, um, And I made the point on the weekend as well when I was chatting to people when I put a few tweets up as well. There's no point like in bringing him on as a strike weapon to strike 25 minutes into a game if you're 26 points down. Uh, and one of the listeners actually made a really good point, which, which I've had the whole time as well, um, and they said, well, you know, if it's going to keep happening because they're playing bad enough teams where Mm. it will be seen as working. And that is the worst thing. Like if they play the Melbourne Storm and do this, they will be down 26 nil in the first 25 minutes before Fafita even gets on the field. And then you can talk about what little impact Fafita had that game because he's going to come on at a hiding to nothing. And there's no Mm. way he's going to get two line breaks and a double movement try almost getting across the line because he's not going to get the opportunity. And then it's just a waste. Yeah. You know, you need those guys to to get you into games. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, they're not playing, they're playing South after this week and then they're playing the Storm. So it's really going to be the end of the year where um, the coach probably sees the light. So I expect him to be on the bench again. That's why I don't think that you can put him as a captaincy option. Um, but we're saying that because he's two, uh, even though he's two weeks removed from going 134 points against the Dragons in only 56 minutes off the bench. So I will put to you, Luke, uh, it is a bit of a pod option to go to see for feeder because I think everybody is scared off him. I reckon he'll be very much sub 10% captain, and I'd say probably 5% or under will probably captain him. Um, and he could come out and do to the Dragons, or do to the Cowboys, what he did against the Dragons. I could see him going that 130-point, you know, yeah. two-try type of bonanza. Yeah, if you get to Saturday and having a really bad week, that would be a good way to try and knock it on the head, to just go, I'm really in trouble and I need 
you know, Turbo, what Turbo did last week to turn me around. I just need to get a captain and just drag me back into it um, past people who didn't do it. I'd have a think about doing it. Um, and look, I agree with what you said. That he, he could do more work, but this, the, the narrative that I think they bought him as an as a attacking strike edge, and he's doing that. And could he get better at rugby league? Sure. But the narrative they seem to have decided is that when they get run down and leak points over and over, which keeps happening, is they've just decided that somehow because he's not taking more hit-ups. And Brian Kelly's defence is disgraceful. Their middle, like, Jared Wallace has given away more six against than anyone I've ever seen. Like, he shouldn't be allowed to play first grade with the amount of six against. <laughs> he, once gave, he once gave three in, like, three in a row, but three in a row on play three. Like, he waited till the middle of the set and just kept giving these obvious plat over and over. Tino drops the ball all the time. They've got all these reasons that it happens. They've got no halves, and they didn't buy any and don't plan to buy any, so that might help as well. Um, and it's just this really odd thing that you get to the end of the game and say, David Fafita scored two tries, we scored 30 points, and lost 36-30. And you know what the problem was? Our strike-edge back rower. We just <laughs> we need him off the field for 20 more minutes so that the other team can score 36 and we only score 18. Like, that's well, you, the, you know what the answer ultimately yeah. is? Like With guys like him and Lolo, the answer is very clear. They just need to wait till the 70th minute and bring them on to win the match for the last 10. That's right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. right. Bring them in for the championship minutes. But um, I'm sorry to have really gone on about that, but it's been really <laughs> sticking in my head how dumb. It, it, I don't know. It's it's just this. It's cheap is what it is. Is you get to full time, the Titans got run down, and you go, oh, could David Fafita have done more? And that, that'll just be the questions to the coach. He'll be going, well, he scored two tries and kicked the ball through. Like, what do you want him to do? But eventually, it wears bad coaches down or young coaches down. We saw it with Ponga at the Knights after we ended up at 5'8 in his second season because people just asked Nathan Brown. They asked him about it every week when we weren't winning. Well, what about Ponga to six? Over and over and over. And eventually, coaches caved to this sort of thing. And that's what's happened there is Holbrook was... Round six, I heard Holbrook really backing him and saying, I don't know why you think this is David Fafita's fault. You heard the same thing at round eight, round 10, but over a season, it wears them down. And he's got to the point where he sort of caved into some of that pressure and wants to be shown that he's got his big money man on the bench and he's showing him who's boss and it's not helping them win football games and it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not going to help anything. Like, I, I wanted to finish off on this, but I, like, I, I need to throw it in as well mm. that I've... Even when I played footy, you know, and like when you're a teenager and stuff, like everyone turns up to a game hungover or misses a training or whatever, and the coach gives you a kick up the ass. And it might be mm. like, Barnsley, you're on the bench this week. Give you give your starting jersey over to whoever. You're not playing this week. You're on the bench. Mm. And he'll give you 40 minutes off the bench instead of your 80 or whatever you're playing. And, you know, that's your kick up the ass. It happens in every sport. And it always has happened in the NRL too. The thing is that when it happens... It's like, there's your kick up the ass, mm. and like you, you respond to it, and you come yeah. on and you go, great, which Fafita did, really, the first time. Mm. And then it's like, all right, cool, you got the message. But you don't keep trying to give the same message every week, no. months on end, because it's not really sending any type of message. It, it no. just doesn't make any sense. No. Um, but I'll, I'll finish on that rant. I'm going to say, <laughs> with the numbers, though, for Fafita for Supercoach, he scored five tonnes this year. And two of those five, he wasn't playing 80 minutes. Um, so he's still well capable if he's playing a side like the Cowboys. And this is probably going to be one of the last games until, you know, maybe round 25 versus um, New Zealand, where you're going to be able to really captain him with a bit of confidence, I think. And I reckon he's going to go a ton this week off the bench regardless. So here's an option. I'm going to go for some of the other ones, but I, I think that you should consider him. Top sport bit of the week, Titans, Cows. Uh, I have to think that the Titans are going to win this, but, you know, anything's possible at the moment. 
The Titans are only a dollar twenty nine, so you have to get them with the line of minus eleven and a half and dollar eighty five. Not sure if I'm confident enough on that one, but I'll leave you guys with the line and you can decide. Luke, pleasure to have you on as always. We have very similar rants, so it's always <laughs> enjoyable. Been been a pleasure, mate. Can't wait to get back on once I'm back in the top thousand. Just wait till then and get me back. <laughs> no, so a couple of weeks. That that'll be all you need, I'm sure. Uh, look. Uh, the Rugby League Cemetery podcast have had a, f- a few episodes come out in the last uh, month, so get back on that. They're, they're roaring with a, a heap that you had on there. You've had like five put on there um, in the last month or so, haven't you? Had a couple. We're back in sort of lockdown in New South Wales, um, some of us, so it was time to get back on there and watch old football games. So, um, no, we had a good few good ones, late 90s, couple of fifth-place playoff from uh, the early 90s with the Dogs and the Magpies, something for everyone. Uh, lovely. Well, get on there, the Rugby League Cemetery podcast, and if you want to follow him on Instagram as Australia's most prominent jersey collector, you can do that too. Uh, but guys, that's the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Download or subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And if you do jump on Top Sport, SC All Stars is your promo code to get your account started. Good luck with the week. Round 21. It's going to be a tough one. If you've got to burn your trays, just burn them. Have some fun with it. And we we'll look forward to chatting to you again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game.